good evening and welcome to our digital campus. For all of you who are regulars here, we are glad to have you and we appreciate your continued support. And if you've been a regular over the last year, it is safe to say that you have been well fed and you have grown. I know that we're planning to get back together hopefully in July, but I'm excited to see you when we return. I'm excited to learn of all that God has done in your life during this past year or so. So uh, hang in there. We're going we're gonna to have some awesome stories to share when we get back together. But if you're a guest, first time or otherwise, thank you for joining us. We're honored to have you with us. And if you haven't done so already, please go over to newarkupc.info and check us out. Uh, you can learn about us there. And, you know, in particular, you can find out how to connect with us outside of these uh, messages here on Facebook and YouTube. Um, and there's lots of good information there. So be sure to stop at newarkupc.info and, uh, and check us out there. Tonight, I'm kicking off our series for the upcoming week, which we have titled, Ew, That's Gross. This means that we'll be looking at gross passages in the Bible that make us say, yuck. The Bible can be a strange and fascinating book, and there are lessons that can be learned in all of it. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this time together. God, we ask that you would be in our midst, Lord Jesus, and that you would open our understanding, oh God, to your word, that you would help us to draw closer to you, Lord, and to be more like you, Jesus. We want to follow in your footsteps, Lord, and be effective in this world. Be with us this night, Lord, and open our hearts and minds to your word. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. So this evening, I'll present to you the parable Jesus told of the rich man and Lazarus. Not the Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead, though he definitely qualifies as gross after laying in the grave for four days, but the other Lazarus mentioned in the New Testament. Let me give you a heads up about when Jesus speaks to us in parables. It's a test. If you don't understand its spiritual meaning or meanings, you fail. If you do understand its spiritual meanings, you pass. I pray that you have ears to hear. So our story begins in Luke 16, starting with verse 19. And it reads, Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. Yuck. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open swords. Double yuck. Right off the bat, we see uh, a comparison, a vivid contrast of those who are, who are living in very different circumstances. The rich man is decked out and he lives in the lap of luxury. Lazarus, however, is the epitome of rough living. Lazarus is roughing. Most likely homeless, this poor man was hungry and sick. Hence those sores, those open sores on his body. To make matters worse, the nasty dogs would come and lick these open sores. I mean, can you say gross? Verse 22 says, Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to a place of the dead. There in torment, 
he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. I don't know about you, but when I read stories with such detail, I get a mental picture. And I'm just I'm just envisioning Lazarus in this place of the dead. I'm sorry, the rich man in this place of the dead, you know, looking up far and seeing somehow seeing Lazarus, you know, beside Abraham. And my thoughts go, my, 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 how the tables turn. Lazarus dies and finds himself escorted by angels to a heavenly feast with Abraham, the father of faith. The rich man, who is rich no more, lands in the place of the dead in torment. And not only was he in torment, but somehow he could see Lazarus chilling with Abraham. I mean, that had to be torment in and of itself. Verse 24 says the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip his dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. Oof, did I read that right? Did he request this dirty, open, sword-covered man to give him water from the tip of his finger? Yuck! Well, I can't prove it, but I get the feeling that when Lazarus laid at this rich man's gate, longing, as the scriptures put it, for scraps, the rich man hadn't been so generous and caring. And here the rich man finds himself longing for wretched Lazarus to bring him relief. Verse 25 picks up and says, but Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. So no one, I'm sorry, no one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. As I read that, I imagine Abraham sounding a little bougie. Son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is being comforted and you are in anguish. I'm sorry, I, I get these mental pictures again when I'm reading. I'm not, I'm not sure how, that's how Abraham said it, but that's how I envision it. But then he basically says to the rich man in, the, in this statement, dude, it's a wrap. You, you don't understand. Your destiny is sealed. You can't come here. For the time of living godly was when you had life. I want us to hold on to that. Remember, I said at the outset that Jesus gives us these parables. Um, and, and it's an indication of our spiritual, maybe maturity, how we understand them or not. So there's lots of messages here in this, in this story that I'm telling tonight. But one of them is what I just said, right? The time for living godly for you and I is now. I know some of us believe in these deathbed um confessions and things like that. And, and I, I don't know. I, I don't see that in scripture. Um, I, I'm all for God's grace, but I don't, I don't see that. I see God holding us accountable for how we lived our lives. But anyway, having realized there was no hope for him, the rich man made a plea for his family. Verse 27 says, then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. 
for I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they won't end up in this place of torment. Send who? Yeah, Lazarus is actually saying that. Send him. I keep getting this uh, rich man and Lazarus mixed up. Let me repeat that. The rich man is actually saying that. Yes, yeah, send Lazarus to my father's house so he can warn my brothers. This poor, hungry, open sword covered man, uh, he wants Abraham to send him to his people. Verse 29 says, but Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. Mm. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Whew, that's a powerful statement. This rich man clearly wasn't thinking. He suggested that if something miraculous was done, I mean, that's what he was essentially saying when he said, if you, you know, if someone comes to them from the dead, they'll believe. So he's suggesting that if something miraculous happens, then his brothers will believe. Well, I don't know about you, but when I read the stories of Moses and the prophets, there are tons of miracles that happen. God did amazing things to Moses and the prophets in the scriptures. So it, it seems that it doesn't matter what miracles are, are performed. Right? We, we, we know of miracles that have been done in our time. Uh, if people don't have faith and believe, even one resurrected from the dead won't persuade them. So that's a pretty short yet powerful message in this parable. There are many, many lessons that we can take away from this parable. Let's, let's look at just some. The first one that jumps out to me is, don't judge by the exterior. We're, as humans, we're, we're really uh, hard about that. that. That's a difficult thing for us not to do. Don't judge by the exterior. Blessed has nothing to do uh, with our looks or our status in life. Rich doesn't mean blessed. I know that a lot of us, when we are struggling and we're having financial issues and we're living, you know, rough and, and we long to be rich as if rich is the answer to our problems. Um, it may solve our earthly problems, right? May keep us, you know, from in a, in a good place, a shelter. It may give us food and those kind of things, but it doesn't solve your spiritual problem. And we all have a spiritual problem. Okay. So rich doesn't mean blessed. Those words are not synonymous. If you've ever been told that godliness is next to cleanliness, Mm, that's not true. Holy and clean are very different. And if you go through the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, you'll see that Jesus frequently called out the Pharisees for that kind of thinking. Physical cleanliness and godliness, two different things. Another lesson we can learn is don't call unclean what God calls clean. Right? God's standard is on a whole different level. Another phrase that we use a lot of times, we usually use this when, when we are defending ourselves from somebody judging us. Uh, but it's a true phrase, and it's, it's actually scripture. And it says, God looks on the heart. Okay, I'm talking about lessons we can learn from this gross, uh, particular gross passage of, of scripture here. Uh, God looks on the heart. He looks on the hearts of those who are splendidly clothed and dressed in fine linens and who live in luxury, you know, like the rich man in this story. But he also looks on the hearts of those laying on the street corner, like poor Lazarus. His standard is the same. God is just. 
So as Christians, we've got to put on the mind of Christ and see things the way he does. And lastly, I'll say that you can be rich and blessed. Now I said to you earlier that, that rich and blessed are not synonymous, and they are not. But I also don't want to leave you thinking that it's a sin to be rich. Uh, it's a difficult life to live to be rich. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron because we, you know, again, I said to you that when we're struggling, we want to be, we want wealth, we want to to have money um, as a means to solve our problems. But being rich comes with its own set of problems. And First Timothy six uh, seventeen through nineteen says. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So being rich or being poor is not what really matters to God. It matters that we live our lives trusting in him and living according to that trust. But the world is full of uh, people like Lazarus, right? We see them on our street corners. We see them in the cities where we live. And look, there are lots of Lazarus that we pass by in our comings and goings in life. So be careful how you view and treat people who are less fortunate than you. In fact, be careful how you treat everyone, even those we deem gross. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this reminder, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, that you give us word, that you give us these parables, that you give us uh, instruction on and how to view things, Lord. Your ways are truly higher than our ways, O oh God. And you don't see things the way we see them. Help us, O oh God. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we can see this world the way you see it, God. That we can govern our lives accordingly. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We ask it all in that wonderful name of Jesus. The church say amen. Amen. Well, stay tuned for more gross uh, passages of scripture this week. There's going to be some some very interesting stories brought to you. And some of these are like, I never read those before. And uh, I think you'll find them, them interesting. Uh, but until we meet again, be sure to go to NewarkUPC.info for everything you need. I've heard some of you trying to figure out where information is about small groups. Trust me, everything about small groups is on that online small groups card at NewarkUPC.info. You can also go there to find about our kids' classes, um, how to submit prayer requests and praise reports, how to give, right? We are still giving in this time of COVID and you guys have been amazing about that. So keep it up. And if you're not giving, well, you're cheating yourself. And, and uh, you know, I know I'm just talking about this message and being rich, but I can tell you that givers don't get, I'm sorry, people that don't give don't get, right? If your hand is closed, then not only can anything get out, but nothing can get in. So be sure to go by and hit that little give, little purple button that pops up and give. Now, God wants to bless you and your giving is directly correlated to that. Well, I've said enough for tonight. God bless you all and we will see you tomorrow evening for our live Bible study. Have a good night.